we decided to do this series called Songs of the Season. That's why we're, every week we're going to be, you know, kind of using a song to introduce the series and introduce the topic, um, because the greatest thing about this season is the music. Now, wait, 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 okay? Just hold on. Regardless of how you might personally feel, and we all hate Christmas shoes, okay, so it's fine. Um, but, you know, there's, there's other ones you don't like, I understand. Maybe, maybe because people continue to play Christmas music earlier and earlier, like July, um, you know, you might not feel the same way as I do. But here's, I just want you to think about this most beautiful, amazing thing about the songs of this season, Okay. Um, never in any other tradition, in any other holiday, in any other thing in the world, not just our country, in the world, is everyone being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ because of something they're celebrating, all right? That is so unique. That is so amazing. Now, you know, obviously Rudolph and Santa coming to town, like, we got to excuse some of those things. But when you start talking about Almost every Christmas album by secular artists have some traditional Christmas songs, and those songs talk about Jesus. And listen, guys, it's in every retail store. It's in every home. It's in every car. It's on every app. It's every behind the, the, the background music on you know, the, the, the elevators. Like It's everywhere. That is astonishing to me, Right? Again, even secular musicians go and sing and talk about, you know, sing a song like Go Tell Them on the Mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Their life is a, just a garbage dump, I'm telling you. But it doesn't matter because God's using them through these words, through the songs of the season, to spread this incredible message. So I, I, listen, I get you might have a personal thing with Christmas music and maybe you don't enjoy it as much, but you got, you've got to sit back in a moment and just go, God, all over the world that celebrates Christmas right now, they're going to hear a song that's going to talk about you, that's going to talk about Jesus is born. And that is amazing. That is beautiful. That's why we wanted to talk about the songs of the season and use that as part of our Christmas uh, tradition here uh, at Journey. Again, hopefully you saw it out front. Usually as Christians, um, we tend to focus on this term, Advent. Okay, this is something that um, the Christian tradition has been using for hundreds of years. Uh, the, it's from a Latin adventus. It means expectant arrival, anticipation. There's lots of different phrases you can use, but that's primarily the way it talks about the idea of it's kind of an expectant uh, anticipation of an arrival of some sorts. Obviously, with Advent, we consider that to be the arrival of Jesus, right? But that's what Advent's all about. And there are typically four weeks to Advent um, that have kind of themes around them. That's what usually the candles represent. We have one out in the lobby as well. Uh, today, I'm actually going to talk about one that was last week, which was hope, and then borrow the theme from next week, which is joy. Because primarily, when I start talking today, you'll see how much I really do believe hope and joy come together in terms of the message of Christmas and the, and the reason uh, for this season. So I'm going to use hope and joy to kind of be my springboard uh, today. Why hope is really the where we're starting with. Why hope? Why would we want to rush and go tell it on the mountain as we just sang? Why was hope such a big deal? And why is it so important to the Christmas story, our Christmas story? Well, it all has to do with what people were waiting for, the advent. It has to do with what there was a, 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 
an, expect, an expect, <laughs> expectation, an arrival, an anticipation of what was coming. So I'm going to give you a few of those verses to kind of help you see it and see and just kind of start to feel a little bit because it's hard for us, you know, it's hard for us in our, to look back and, and really feel the feelings, but this is what the hope was all about. This is in Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light is going to shine. For a child is born to us, a son is going to be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lords of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This is the hope that we're talking about. This is the hope of Advent, written 700 years before they would experience the child that would be born. 700 years before that, this prophecy, because Isaiah was speaking on behalf of the Lord, he was giving the word, the word of the Lord to God's people. The kingdom had already been divided. Israel had already had all the infighting. They were split into the north and south kingdom. They were already experiencing huge issues of wondering how, who was going to remain and who was going to be taken over. And they were experiencing a great deal of darkness and they said, no, there's going to be a light. There's going to be a child born, right? That's the imagery that was given. There's going to be a child born, and there's going to be peace, and there's going to be fairness, and there's going to be justice. Not to make it all American, but wouldn't that be great? You know? I mean, you know, wouldn't, couldn't we have used that the last few decades? You know? Fairness and justice and peace. Here's another passage from Isaiah, another time in which he's talking about this, this king of David that's going to return. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch, capital B branch, because of the way in which this was kind of configured to talk about Jesus. Bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Wouldn't this be great? Again, I don't want to make it all American, but couldn't we just kick out all the politicians? you know, on both sides, and just get people like this? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, you read this, and it's just like, man, you want a campaign speech, this is it. No one's going to believe you. But this is, this is what you want. This is the hope that they wanted. Keep going. He will delight in obeying the Lord. And he will not judge by appearance, nor make decisions based on hearsay. He will give justice, again, justice to the poor, and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. And he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an argument. He's going to be all about righteousness of God. He's going to be all about truth. This is what the people of God were hoping for. This is what their hope was all about, that they were expecting that, that they were anticipating when this would happen. But again, 700 years 
would go by between the words that were shared and the experience of that child born. And so you see many of the Old Testament scriptures, you see many of the Psalms like this one, where they continue to talk about this hope. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And it's in his word that I put my hope. Now, hope is a pretty big deal because we use the word hope around here. Journey, if you've been around Journey, you know we use this word a lot, right? We use the word hope a lot. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, Sophie, are you back there? I'm, uh, um, I'm going to switch a couple slides up real quick, okay? Um, go ahead and go to the default hope um, definition for me. Go to the default hope. No, the one before that. Default hope. There you go. This is sort of the default hope of the world. It's realistic expectation with wishful optimism, right? When you hear the word hope, and let's just be honest, this falls into Christian belief as well. But for the majority of the world, our hope, our realistic hope, our default hope is, is based in realistic probability, what's probable, what's expected, and then you have this like wishful optimism, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if? Wouldn't it be amazing if? Wouldn't it be awesome if? But then we always fluctuate between the realistic probability and the realistic expectation versus kind of our wishful, positive optimism. And if we're not careful, and again, this is why I say that, this bleeds over into people of faith, into Christians, that sometimes Christians themselves, even though our hope shouldn't look like this, our hope looks like this. Our hope is, well, here's the reality of the world. Here's what's probably going to happen. Here's the probability and the expectation of how we believe people are going to act and respond. And we're just sort of hoping, wishful thinking optimism, that everything Jesus said and everything I've heard the Bible, people tell me the Bible says... I really hope it's true, right? I really hope it's worth it. I really hope it's going to be, uh, you know, fulfilled. And this is just not the kind of hope we have. And it's not the hope that lasts 700 years, okay? Let's be honest. Our hope lasts about 10 minutes. Am I right? Our hope lasts about 10 minutes, and even at the strongest, like even at the strongest kind of expectant hope, I, the best example I can give is the picture that, that the scripture gives, which is a child being born, right? Let's go to the nativity picture, if you can. Let's go to the nativity picture. This is the picture we get, right, of, 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 of a child being born in terms of the Christmas story. And you get that, right? Because this is, this is an expectant hope. And, and you, any parents in the room or even people who have adopted, I'm telling you, there's nothing like, you know, someone looking at your portfolio and there's nothing like getting the news that you're pregnant. And there's nothing like that time in which you're, you know, the baby is growing or, or you're waiting to hear, you know, when you can go pick that, that, that child up. And there's nothing like the moment when you receive that child, because that, that's, about, that's about as long and as full as our human hope can last in terms of our default hope, which is strange because, and I want to show you this next picture. Have you, have you been to a birth? Have you experienced a birth? Listen, it's chaos. <laughs> it's chaos. 
there's fluid everywhere and a mess and a lot of screaming, right? I mean, that's chaos. She's so unimpressed with birth right now. If the mom was wondering what was happening, that look says it all. But the reason I like this picture is because of the dad. Because the dad who does nothing gets to immediately express what both parents will express, which is that regardless of the chaos and the fluid and the mess and the chaos, regardless of all those things, there is nothing. There is nothing like hope fulfilled. There is nothing like hope fulfilled because that gives us joy. Which is that next slide, that slide? Sorry, I've kind of bounced around on uh, Sophie here. It's not her fault. But hope fulfilled is joy, right? There is nothing like that kind of joy. Even if it's a default hope, not even the hope that we get to have as Christians, but a default hope, it's joy. So can you imagine the kind of hope that is talked about during the Advent season? That 4,000 years after God told Adam and Eve there was going to be enmity between the seed of man and the seed of the world, but that he was going to deliver, he was going to crush the head of the snake, he was going to crush the head of the serpent. A thousand years after the greatest king of Israel, King David, a thousand years after King David's there and, there, and everyone was longing for a reign again like King David. Again, 700 years after, you know, Isaiah literally tells them, <laughs> a child's going to be born. And then, guys, another 400 years of silence. 400 years, no new word from God, no prophecy, just going to the temple and hearing Isaiah read one more time. Let's be honest, when you guys feel like God is being silent on you, you barely last 10 minutes in your hope. So what kind of hope are we talking about here? Because it was a significant kind of hope. And as we're getting ready to see, this is part of why this message of Christmas is so beautiful. It was hope fulfilled. It was a hope that sprung into this incredible joy when the angel showed up to Mary. And said these words to her. The angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now listen, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. Why? Because he would go back and reach into the, the, the prophecy verses and say, he's going to be great. And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Again, so that someone like Mary would be able to hear those words after all of those years and to hear that hope, the hope that they had, was getting ready to be fulfilled. And then Mary, of course, would go visit her cousin, kind of jumping around here, obviously. We're going to do more of the Christmas story next week, but I just want you to see kind of this theme. In the days Mary set out and then hurried to a town in the hill county, a country of, of, of Judah, and she was going to see her cousin when she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. It says this, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting and the baby leaped inside her, Elizabeth's baby, who was John the Baptist, 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Primarily, he's getting ready to tell you that Elizabeth was filled with special knowledge. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit to tell her exactly what was going on. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and your child is going to be blessed. She's talking to Mary. How could this happen to me, the mother of my Lord? should come to me. You don't know that without the Holy Spirit, right? You don't know that without the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Her cousin shows up. And then she goes on to say, this is what happened. When, you, when I heard the sound of the greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. That's the kind of hope fulfilled we're talking about. The baby inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy at the sound of Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Hope fulfilled. And then it was that hope that was fulfilled for everyone. When the angel showed up on the mountain, on the mountaintop, the angel showed up. There were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Keep going. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you, I want you to read these out loud with me, because these are the phrases we're kind of focusing on today. I'm going to bring you what? Yeah, I'm going to bring you good news that will bring what? I'm got good news that's going to bring you great joy, hope fulfilled for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today, fulfilled. In Bethlehem, the city of David. Keep going. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And if you jump ahead a few verses, you see the response. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel has said to them about this child. Again, we're going to dig a little bit more into the story throughout the series, but right now I just really wanted to, to help you understand that when we talk about this kind of hope, when we talk about the hope that lasted for thousands of years, lasted for hundreds of years in terms of the prophecy of a child being born, this kind of hope was fulfilled in this moment. And hope fulfilled brings great joy, right? brings great joy. And that's why I love the, the phrase there. I want to look at those three words, those three phrases, that there was good news. Like the angel's like, I got great news. I got good news for you guys. And it's going to bring great joy because this hope is going to be fulfilled and it's going to be for all people. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes in the Christmas season, especially in, a, in more of the Western cultures, I feel like that good news, especially during the Christmas season, gets a little drowned out. I feel like it gets a little kind of passed over. I feel like for the most part, because of our affluence, because of our wealth, because of God's blessing, that, that the good news doesn't really seem that good because the bad news isn't that bad anymore. Everybody with me? See, the good news is still the good news, but in our culture where people sort of feel like everybody has all they need, 
We could sort of shade ourselves and hide ourselves away from the brokenness of the world. We could choose not to follow those people. We could choose not to see those things. We can choose not to worry about those things on the news. We'll, we'll choose and pick the things we expose ourselves to. And quite frankly, we can get to a place in our life where the bad news isn't really that bad. And the problem with that is then the good news really isn't that good. And the good news we have and the good news we share and the good news that, that, is, that is this moment, this season of Christmas doesn't really hit us the way it should because we also kind of drift to a default hope versus the hope that was given through Christ. And this great joy we're supposed to experience. Listen, I don't know about you, but Christmas, and I'll, I'll share this, this is a personal confession for you guys. Christmas over the years has gotten just a little less joyful, okay? Are there any older 40 and 50-year-old, 60-year-olds in the room like me? It's gotten a little less joyful, okay? Now, I don't know if that's partly because of ministry and we measure time by Sundays, 52 Sundays a year, and there's lots of planning and lots of fires to put out and lots of ministry and lots of things we do. And, and it honestly can get to be a point where you, you talk to people that, that work in churches and it's like, you know, Christmas seems to be sometimes a season they just hope to get through. You know, there's no anticipation. There's no expectant arrival. Christmas happens and we just deal with it, Right. Like that's, that's sometimes how it is. And I'll just admit over the past several years, it's been a constant source of prayer. And Tracy and I have talked about it many years. I mean, I'll eventually get there. Okay. I eventually get there, but I don't go into the season with hope. I don't go into the season with great joy being expressed about a hope fulfilled in the person of Christ. I get distracted by the chaos and by the busyness of the season. I get distracted by my own, my own issues of what, is, what good news and bad news means versus really understanding the need that our world has for a Savior and the hope fulfilled that came because of Jesus Christ. And so I spent a lot, I spent a lot of, especially the first couple of weeks, just praying, dear Lord, just give it, like I know I'm supposed to have it. <laughs> give it to me. I want to have it like my little daughter has, my second daughter. Last night, she was worried that Jesus broke. She, we have a little nativity set, and she picks him up and plays with him, you know? Don't judge me. Anyway, she picks him up and plays with him, and uh, there's a hole in the back, you know, like ceramic things, and there's a little hole, and she thought he was broken, so she came to me and mom and was like, oh, no, he's broken, and we, Tracy was like, no, honey, that's just the way they're made, and she's talking to Jesus on the way back. Oh, it's okay, Jesus. You're going to be just fine, you know? <laughs> And her joy might be, yeah, probably a little bit more driven by gifts and the, and the seasonal things that come along with it, but we're also working with her to understand it's Jesus' birthday. It's, it's a way in which we celebrate Christ, and we want to continue to keep that in the forefront of her mind as we go through Advent, because just like for her, I want her to know the good news that brings great joy for all people. And it really is for all people. And this is where the song, Go Tell the Mountain, I think, brings us this beautiful, beautiful challenge. I want to show you one more picture. Well, I have a couple more, but one more picture about the nativity. This is something I pulled a few years ago because I, 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 it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things you see and you, you sort of get it, but it's also a really horrible Christmas message. All right? So this is a nice clay looking or bronze nativity and it says the nativity is a picture of how far we should go we should be willing to go 
to find him. And obviously, it's kind of referencing the, you know, the wise men and the shepherds and kind of referencing those who would go see the baby Jesus, but that's really not the message of the nativity. Guys, the, the nativity message is that there's the good news of great joy of how far God's willing to go to restore our relationship with him for all people. Like, that's the message. That's the good news of great joy for everyone, not just for us, for everyone. And this kind of hope is the one that we're supposed to cling to, we're supposed to hold to, we're supposed to stand fast in. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He who fulfilled the hope through Jesus Christ. He who promises the promise is faithful to deliver on his promises. So we're supposed to hold fast to this kind of hope. And that's why around here at our church, we use the words absolute hope. Okay? That might bug you some. We have our shirts with absolute hope. Like you might look at that and go, well, that's just a weird phrase. We don't want it to be a, a Christian you know, kind of catchphrase. We just want people to take a moment and stop because when we say hope and we use the words absolute hope, we want people to know what it means. It's Jesus Christ. It's the unfailing promise of hope in Jesus Christ today and forever right? Today and forever. It's not just about getting your ticket punched to heaven, okay? It's not just about making sure that you have a hope for the afterlife. It's not just about you sort of making sure you're going to be with your family one day in heaven. Matter of fact, we probably focus more at this church about making sure you understand this absolute hope is for you today because it's the good news of Jesus that brings great joy Great joy because it's, been, it's hope fulfilled. He who promises is faithful for you today. That's why we don't just settle. We never want you to settle for a default hope. We don't want you to drift and slip into even the Christmas season, just sort of coming and going with a default hope and wishful thinking of, boy, you sure hope this Christian thing is real. You sure hope it's right. I hope today, my prayer today is that just by seeing the baptisms of children and adults, that you know it's real, that you see by the word of their testimony that God is at work and he's going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful with those, the things he has promised us. Paul says it this way in Romans, that he wants the God of hope to fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the God of hope to fill us with the joy and the peace, especially in this season, isn't for us just to accept it and for it to be ours. It's there to overflow, right? It's there to overflow and affect everyone. It's there to touch everyone around us. 
I love that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. So when we were talking about the series and we kind of were picking out songs for the weekends and, and, and Go Tell It on the Mountain, of course, I love the version they did too. But, but the, uh, the, the words itself, I kind of went back and I was like, oh man, that's so cool. I want to know a little bit more about the history of the song. And what I, what I really didn't know, this was all brand new information to me. I think it's probably going to be brand new information to you. The history of the song, we don't actually know its origin because they believe it was part of the African-American spirituals that were sort of passed from plantation to plantation. Then they were orally passed. They weren't very written down. There were no recordings, right? So until the native born man, John Wesley Work III, actually penned them down, actually put them down in 1865, to be able to actually be recorded as a song and be actually be shared with people that were outside of the African-American community, which I don't know if you know, at one time that wasn't really looked upon wisely. They sort of had their own culture, they had their own songs, and they had their own music and their own folk songs. And eventually they started going, you know, we want to share this with others. It became a Christmas staple through the Fisk Jubilee Singers. I'm going to show you a quick picture. This is one of the original groups of the Fisk Jubilee Singers from Fisk University, an African-American college in Tennessee. And they would take this out. They would do fundraising trips, and they would go out, and they would sing African-American folk music and spirituals to black and white audiences and share these songs, these spirituals with everyone else. And guys, this is where Go Tell It on the Mountain came from. This is how it became a Christmas staple in your life and in mine. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's amazing. I also loved this. This was a, I love the stanza that's in there that when I was a seeker, God showed me the way, but there's also an additional stanza, not sung often. It was written by an African-Canadian composer named R. Nathaniel Deet in 1927. And here's what he wrote to add to the song. If you cannot sing like angels, and if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say that he died for all. Isn't that great? So here's another guy looking at the same thing. He's looking at the songs of the season, and he's like, look at how the message of Jesus is going out into every home, into every village. That the message of Jesus is being born is there, especially with Go Tell on the Mountain. And he decides to add a stanza that, look, you, you, you know what? So you can't sing. That's okay. You can't preach and pray like Paul? Fine. You know what you can do? You can tell others about the love of Jesus. You can share the good news that brings great joy to all people. He's the reason for the season. You've heard them, us make that statement before. You've heard that cliched statement, but this is the reality. Jesus is the reason this season exists. And I would like to know, if this is the kind of hope that you cling to, is it also the kind of hope that's overflowing in your life? Is this the kind of hope that's kind of just overflowing and spreading around and sort of touching? Have you guys ever witnessed a child flood a bathroom? <laughs> now, thank the Lord and the wood that my children have not done this yet, right? My children haven't done it yet. Thank God. I did it to my parents. Most certainly did. I had a claw-shaped tub. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Claw-shaped tub. I don't even remember how old I was. Just like, that doesn't need to be there. 
covered that little drain thing right up. Everything went everywhere. My parents will tell you about it to this day, right? Well, what's that mean? It's, the, it's that picture. It might be a little bit messy. It might not always come out perfectly the way you think it's supposed to. But Paul says, I want the message of hope to overflow in your life. We're called to let it overflow. Now, we, we can say, go tell it on the mountain. We can say, go tell it to everybody. Go, go to Ethiopia. Go across the sea. Go to all the world. Go to the poor and hungry. Yes, that would be fine to say that. But the reality is, is that you already live this life, and God has already given you opportunity after opportunity to let the hope that you have overflow. Peter says, you want to be ready in all seasons to share the hope that is within you but it's got to be coming out. That good news of great joy for everyone, it's got to be bubbling out. It's got to be something that's overflowing in you to your, and we talk about your top five. You guys don't raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, top five, yep. This is what we say at Journey. You have at least five, at least. Write your names down, top five. Who am I praying for? Who am I sharing the gospel message with? Who am I pointing to absolute hope in Jesus Christ? And why not take advantage of this season? They're already listening to Silent Night. They're already listening to angels we have heard on high. Why don't you connect the dots for them, right? They're already, they're already engaged in the story of Jesus. It's our job to tell them about this good news that brings great joy, and it's for everyone. It's for everyone. We're called to do it. We are the sent ones. Paul says it this way, again in Romans, just as our kind of our challenge. The message is very close at hand, and it's on your lips and in your heart. That message is the very message about faith that we preach. He's just basically simplifying the gospel message. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Period. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith, you're saved. And as the scriptures tell us, <clears throat> anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. We're not going to pre-qualify who this is for. This is Paul telling him. Jews and Gentiles are in the same boat. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he gives this challenge. He says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they haven't never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures tell us how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. We are the sent ones, just in case you didn't know, just in case anybody hasn't ever told you. I know we've told you, but I'm telling you again. We are the sent ones to share the good news of great joy for everyone. It's about this hope that was fulfilled in the person of Christ. The Christmas season, I'll go ahead and say this real quick, it's not about you. 
okay? It's not really about you. It's not about presence. It's not about me. Guys, it's not even really about trying to uphold the, the Christmas in the Christmas season, okay? I'll just share a little quick pet peeve, all right? A little quick pet peeve. I know people get really kind of tickered, right, about people not saying Merry Christmas. They'll say, what do they say instead? They say happy holidays, okay? And everybody gets a little tweaked off, right? They go to Target, and someone says happy holidays, and they're like, mm. <laughs> Going to take the Christ out of Christmas. Well, I got news for you. You're the sent ones. You're the only ones I'm worried about telling people Merry Christmas. You're the ones. Don't, it ain't about you. It ain't about whether somebody says Merry Christmas to you. It's about whether you're telling people about Jesus. That's what it's about. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It's not about this season meaning more to you. It already means everything to you. The goal is to have it overflow and actually connect the dots and mean something to somebody else. That's the goal. So this idea, this beautiful African-American spiritual of go tell it on the mountain, man, I'll tell you, it'd be great. We just don't have that many mountains around here. But what would happen? What would happen if you go tell it on the Facebook? <laughs> go tell it on the Twitter, on the Instagram, with your family, your friends, your workplace, your school, your gym, your sports fields, your local pub, your wine and dinner clubs, your coffee shop, your hair and nail spa, your repair shop, your networking group, the Facebook messenger, Snapchat, TikTok, and everywhere else. What if you just did that? right? I got an idea for you. Here's a challenge. Here's a great Christmas challenge. Why don't we just all take a break from forwarding that article about masks and vaccines and the latest thing that the administration did or what you're worried is going to happen in the future? Let's just take the month off. And what if you just shared nothing but Jesus for the next, I don't know, 22 days? 23 days. What if you just did that? That's a challenge for me. What if I just took the few platforms and the things that I'm already engaged in, and instead of doing what I've always done and what I usually do, and you're probably going to jump right back to in January, <laughs> what if I go tell it to everyone that Jesus Christ is born? He is hope-fulfilled he is the good news that brings great joy to all of us, to you, and to everyone who sees you and knows you and is connected to you and is around you. What if we just go tell it there? Oh, what an incredible Christmas it would be, right? What an incredible Christmas it could be. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful, not just for your word, but even just the songs of these lyrics, these spirituals that just prompt the heart of the message of telling us to go tell it, to go share. And we may not be able to sing, and we may not be able to preach and pray, but we sure can tell other people that you love them. Oh, we can tell everybody that, that you came to this earth to be with us, Emmanuel, to be present, to be near, to restore that relationship, how far you came. 
to give us an opportunity to, to be back in relationship with you. God, I pray for everyone here and listening online and later that you'll just, just move in us to accept that challenge, to understand we are the sent ones. We're the ones called to say Merry Christmas to everyone and tell them what it means. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunities that you will even give us today. We pray all this by the power of your spirit, Jesus.